Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub and Flow. I'm Letitia Gonzalez, Price and Markets Editor at Natural Gas Intelligence. Joining me today is RBN Energy's Sheetal Nasta, a longtime natural gas fundamentals analyst, writer, consultant, and managing editor. Sheetal is joining me today to discuss the unprecedented price spikes that we've seen this summer in the U.S. Southeast. Now, this isn't typically a region we hear a lot about in the gas market, at least not when it comes to prices. You've probably read a lot of my own stories on this topic in our daily gas price index, as well as in our forward look product. And I encourage you to keep reading those stories on our website at naturalgasintel.com. But I wanted to bring Sheetal on today to dive a little bit deeper into what's driving all this momentum that we're seeing in the U.S. uh, Southeast. So Sheetal, thank you so much for joining us today on NGI's Hub and Flow. Thank you for having me. So we have a lot to unpack, so I want to go ahead and get started. Um, We're finally starting to see weather models showing a possible end to the record heat that we've seen scorch a lot of the lower 48 since June. Um, But we've had lots of 90 degree highs and even some triple digits throughout the southeast. And that stifling heat has really done a number of gas prices in the region. And we're not really even done with the summer yet. Yes, it's true that weather models are starting to cool, but here along the Gulf Coast and over through the Southeast, we've still got a couple of months of hot weather ahead of us. And yet already we've seen spot gas prices soar into the teens at several locations in the Southeast, including multiple points along the Transco pipeline, as well as in Florida. So how strong has demand been this summer in the region and and how does that compare to prior years? Well, it's definitely been scorching, yes. And gas burn has been exceptionally strong in the South Atlantic region. If you look at Transco's pipeline deliveries in Virginia, the Carolinas, Georgia, volumes averaged over 4 BCF per day in June and July and peaked at over 5 BCF per day. Um, And if you compare that to last year, that's about 800 million cubic feet a day higher year on year. And actually, it's closer to what you would see during peak winter months. So uh, and that's practically unheard of during the summer. So um, but what I would say is that the higher demand we're seeing is not just about the weather. Of course, this time of year, you have you know, storage injections competing with demand and inventories have been pretty low and are trying to catch up. On top of that, you have coal stocks for electric power that are at record lows and Eastern coal prices are at record highs. So the coal market is also pretty tight and not helping pick up much of the slack when it comes to meeting incremental cooling demand this summer. And so that is keeping additional pressure on gas burn for power generation in the region. So in other words, there's not much elasticity for gas consumption right now. And if we were to look at gas burn, for example, versus temperatures, what we would see is um, 
you know, potentially much higher gas burn on a per degree basis at these price levels than we have seen historically. So I would say between the hotter than normal weather and the coal shortage, gas demand has been really strong, even record high for this time of year. And things have been pretty tight on the gas side. And that's been especially true for the Southeast region, because while it's adjacent to the prolific Appalachia supply basin, it is on the other side of the pipeline constraints to get the gas there. Right. So you're talking about, you know, the Appalachian region and obviously, you know, all the resources that are available there. Um, and, and overall, I know that we have seen production languish this summer. Um, we've had, you know, typically we see um, the springtime being that period where there's a lot of maintenance events going on. But really, we've seen those maintenance events continue through the summer. And so overall production really hasn't met the highs that I think a lot of people in the industry were thinking they would reach. Um, And if it has, it's been, you know, a few days here and there, but then here we come with, you know, another pipeline (laughs) maintenance event and that, you know, pushes output down again. So I guess are the pipelines that are running from Appalachia to the Southeast, are they running full? Um, I guess there's not really a lot of extra capacity to move that gas to market. Yeah, so for some context, um, it used to be that the Southeast got a lot of all of its gas supply from the Gulf Coast region, onshore, offshore, so primarily Texas, Louisiana. All that gas moved northbound from the Gulf Coast on what we call the major legacy T-pipes, called that because they all start with a T. So Texas Eastern, Tennessee, Texas Gas, Transco, um, Transco being the main pipe serving that sort of eastern seaboard and the Atlantic states that we're talking about. With the rise of Appalachian gas supply over the past decade, all those pipelines now also flow southbound. The South Atlantic states still primarily get their gas from that Transco corridor, but it's it now gets it from both directions. There's about two BCF per day of capacity to flow south from Appalachia. There's also some Appalachian gas that moves into the southeast via the mid-continent. And then there's also significant volume still moving east and north from Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana combined. Um, The bottom line is that the South Atlantic is downstream of the major supply basins, whether it's from the north or the south. So you have to have a surplus of supply available from those other regions, which we do, and then also the pipeline capacity to get it there. Um, And in this case, they're relying on one major pipeline, which is Transco. Yeah, we definitely have seen some operational issues on Transco, Um, you know, in addition to the maintenance, I know any time that we've seen this really strong demand, a lot of those pipelines are, you know, um, implementing, you know, operational flow orders, having some restrictions in place. So that certainly adds to the, you know, tight supply picture, you know, serving those markets. Are there any other factors that are at play that are causing these massive premiums in the Southeast? Like I mentioned, I mean, we've seen prices soar into the teens and which is funny because, you know, we've seen prices in the teens, you know, in the U.S. before, but typically, you know, those are 
in the, you know, on the Eastern seaboard farther North and, and during the winter time. And so now this is a summer phenomenon. Um, so are there any other factors at play that's, that's causing all of this volatility? Well, just to kind of expound on, on what you already touched on the pipeline issues, the problem is that while regional demand is up, the routes to get supply there are constrained in both directions. So if you look at Transco uh, flows from the from Appalachia, they have been running full and much of what leaves Appalachia gets burned in Virginia and a lot of it in North Carolina. So it doesn't make it all the way south into the southeast. So that pretty much leaves the northbound supply route. But starting in mid-June, Transco said it was having issues at Compressor Station 60 in Louisiana and that there would be, you know, they warned that there would be periodic outages there through September. And so those northbound volumes have been curtailed as a result of that through what are basically the hottest months of the summer. So what you have is not, you know, not having too many pipeline option uh, route options into that South Atlantic pocket. And then capacity that you do have is either maxed out or curtailed. If you then combine that with the hot weather, weather, the coal uh, market issues, you end up with the gas supply crunch and the price disconnects and and the sort of double digit gas prices that we have been seeing over the past couple months. Yeah. And I mentioned, you know, we're still, you know, some some regions of the U.S. are already starting to cool off a bit. But, you know, the southeast is not one of them, um, you know, here along the Gulf Coast and over to Florida. I mean, we're still seeing hot weather. Now, I will say hurricane season is, is um, you know, nearing its peak. You know, August and September are really, you know, um, big months in the hurricane season. And with this, you know, warm weather that we're having and the warm Gulf of Mexico waters, you know, I don't know what could happen there, um, but certainly that could also create some volatility in the market. Of course, you know, hurricanes nowadays are demand crushers. So that actually might kind of help the supply situation as far as, you know, um, less demand. Um, and, and so hopefully more gas available to be injected into storage to kind of help those that supply part. Um, but of course, if we have major disruptions um, to production because of the hurricanes, then we'll have other issues on that side of the situation. Um, on the pipeline front, though, you know, are there other are there pipeline projects um, that are in the works that can perhaps, you know, alleviate some of these constraints going forward? Um, you know, is are, are we saying that, you know, maybe some looping and compression projects might suffice to boost capacity heading to the Southeast? Or do you think that there's a need for a bigger greenfield project? Well, I would agree in the near term that cooler weather, um, lower demand would help ease the supply crunch there. And we have seen prices come off a bit in recent days, but it, it does seem like flows to the Southeast are becoming increasingly constrained. And the Station 60 issue combined with the constraint coming down from Appalachia, it's kind of giving us a preview of what could happen in the future. You have, you know, LNG export demand growing on the Gulf Coast. And as that happens, the Southeast will become increasingly, um, will be increasingly competing, I should say, with exports for that gas. And then if you have maintenance or operational issues, as you mentioned, uh, or extreme heat on top of that, it it seems very plausible that the constraint-driven 
uh, price spikes could become more of a regular feature of that region um, during the summer, not just in the winter. Um, weather is always the wild card, and it'll also depend on you know, how full storage is in a given year, kind of like it used to be in the Northeast during the winter before the Marcellus Utica shales came along. Um, I would say that when you start to have these types of pricing anomalies, it, it is a good sign that there is a physical disconnect and more pipeline capacity is needed, whether it be smaller brownfield projects, like you mentioned, or greenfield, which with the greenfield right now, it's incredibly difficult to imagine that materializing given what's happened with Mountain Valley and so many other projects in that region. But any new pipeline capacity would essentially need to get incremental supply directly into that Transco Zone 5 and Zone 4 areas, which Mountain Valley actually would, would do, um, which is where that demand pocket is in order to alleviate the price spike. So until that happens, presumably we'll continue to see these pricing dynamics in the Southeast during uh, periods of high demand and, and all, you know, kind of the perfect storm type situation that we're seeing this summer with storage being low and, and the coal market being tight. Um, so that, that'll remain a risk until we see more pipeline capacity, I would think. Um, and, and, you know, other than Mountain Valley, there's, really little in the works right now to kind of get supply directly into those zones. So, yeah. And it does seem that, you know, I think there's some positive, there's some optimism perhaps um, regarding MVP um, based on the latest, you know, earnings, uh, earnings call that we had or that we listened to with Equitrans. Um, You know, there's, looks like there's some optimism building that, you know, that those permits will eventually come down the pipe. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, this summer was, you know, surely reflected, um, you know, those price spikes and the tightening capacity. And then we've got exports um, that continue to grow. And, you know, with all of the issues abroad, you know, we're certainly seeing momentum on the LNG front as well. So these are all things, you know, this market is so interconnected now. Um, so certainly, you know, this is just one summer, but that's not to say that we won't see this again and this won't be become a more prevalent issue. And we will start seeing, you know, maybe some announcements um, here soon enough, you know, on some maybe smaller brownfield projects. Um, but thank you, Sheetal. That was really great insight into, you know, all of these price spikes that we've been seeing this summer. And like I said, you know, we still have a couple of months ahead of us. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we'll be staying on top of all of these issues and invite you all to continue reading our content on naturalgasintel.com. Please check out our daily gas price index. Um, and with that, uh, thank you again, Sheetal, for joining us. And I'd like to thank you all for listening. Take care. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or midweek pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.